In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis and I'm back on the road now and I'm recording today from the wonderful city of Porto in Portugal. So, hola and good morning, good afternoon and good evening wherever you may be listening from today and welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you a little bit about what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that can you can learn from, stories that will motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me a mail. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, if you are a professional business person with a passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you do not want to be a guest, you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless of your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. And today we're going to talk about a subject that's very important. We're going to talk about intellectual property. Individuals and organizations recognize the opportunities for change through innovation, and they know they will not survive or successfully compete if they do not come up with new ideas and new ways. They use innovation as strategic, systemic, and technological base for new ideas and developments, driven primarily by us, the human capital, even though AI may change that in the future. In the cultural world, individuals and organizations create new cultural experiences for us every day in all kinds of art forms, and we are constantly finding new ways to express ourselves. But all this innovation and creativity would not happen if we did not have intellectual property laws. Intellectual property protection is important to fostering innovation and encouraging creativity. Without the protection of our ideas, businesses and individuals could not get the full benefit of their inventions and creations, and this could stifle innovation. Simply put, If you use artists as an example, they would not be fully compensated for their creations and cultural vitality would suffer as a result. And we have never seen so much innovation as we have in the last 20 years. But as we thrive in innovation and creativities, things also become more complicated. The access to content in this worldwide web has made protecting it more difficult. 
uncertainty. The global economy has made protection not just more difficult, but complicated. Digitalization has made drawing the line between what is intellectual property and what is not a little more complicated, and even those basic concepts stay the same. But today we're going to take a look at what IP or intellectual property actually is and what you and your business need to be aware of. We're going to get some help on this subject from an expert in intellectual property. And I'd like to introduce that expert, Betty Tufariello is the founder of Intellect Law, a company that helps business owners and entrepreneurs follow their dreams and build a secure future by registering trademarks and leveraging their intellectual property. Betty started her educational career seeking to become a doctor. She was admitted to medical school at the University of Athens in Greece, but decided along the way that medicine was not her future, and she returned to the United States. She then attended Long Island University, the Brooklyn Center, where she received a bachelor's in science in chemistry. But upon graduation, Betty was admitted to the PhD program for organic chemistry at Stony Brook University. And shortly thereafter, she became working in the pharmaceutical industry on Long Island. Betty became fascinated with a combination of science, technology, and business, and she decided to focus her life experience and education on the exciting world of intellectual property law. Betty attended Hofstra Law School. She is now a partner at Bauer & Schaffer in New York, and in 2003, she launched Intellectual, the law offices of Tufariello PC. Betty's combined experience in the areas of science and the corporate world and law allow her clients to reap measurable results. She has successfully litigated against Adidas, Tommy, Hilfinger, Skechers, and other high-profile companies. So, Betty, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and talk about this important subject. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Betty, let's let's start a little bit simple, okay? Because our listeners, I mean, when I when you say intellectual property, a thousand things come to mind. So, let's help our listeners understand what exactly it is. Intellectual property in the United States is broken down into at least four different categories of "quote unquote" stuff. <laughs> Uh, it is patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets. In my office, we also add to that list of intellectual property the privacy and publicity rights that are typically provided for by state law in each state of the union. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about intellectual property law in our office, that's what we talk about. We talk about patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, as well as privacy and publicity rights. They tend to run hand in hand in much of the litigation that we have handled over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. So before I go into the different, you know, what these different things are, because when I when I hear those words, sometimes I think... I can't tell the difference, but why why are these things so important to business strategies? Why are they important? They are important because they constitute an asset that can be leveraged by the business owner for the purpose of achieving their 
goals, both personal goals and professional goals, their income, and improve their quality of life. They are a measure of the value and the goodwill associated with a particular business, irrespective of whether they're patents or trademarks or copyrights or trade secrets. What the business has, what it is valued at, depends on the intellectual property. And if the intellectual property is not protected, business owners can actually lose out on tremendous opportunities to grow their business using their intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are these are business assets, okay? And um, let's just try to understand a little bit for our listeners what the difference are. Let's, let's start with the difference between maybe a trademark, a patent, or a copyright. Um, Okay. What's the difference between those? Well, before we talk about the individual difference between patents, trademarks, and copyrights, I just want to make a note in that it, I prefaced my uh, definition of intellectual property on the basis of U.S. law. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, in many parts in Europe and in the in the world outside the United States, we actually break out intellectual property law or into uh, intellectual property law. When we talk about intellectual property law, we refer strictly to copyrights. Mm -hmm. When we talk about patents and trademarks in Europe, for example, we talk about industrial property. In in Greek, it's called viomechaniki idiocticia. You know, in in Italian, it's proprietà industriale, and so on and so forth. So, so... For the purpose of our international audience, when we talk about um, uh, property in general, business property in general, we could actually be breaking up um, our business property into industrial property and intellectual property outside the United States, but inside the United States, it's actually intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just wanted to make that distinction because I don't want any confusion to ensue as a result of the conversation that we're having. Mm-hmm. And so that that makes a lot of sense. And as we come back to what it, it all comes back to assets. These are the measurable assets of the company, what they own or what they've discovered, and um, that gives value to the company. So whether it's industrial or intellectual, whether it's in Europe or or in the United States, it it is my company's assets. And then, okay. So on those assets, then. Um, we we talk about trademarks and patents. Okay, let's let's start with those. Um, that's, that's a great that's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, patents and trademarks. Huge difference between the two. Um, the patent basically in the United States, a patent can cover four types of different assets of a company. It can protect methods and processes. It can protect compositions of matter. It can protect machines, and it can protect mechanical devices. And it can protect any and all improvements on those four categories of uh, assets, business assets. Um, And it can, so long as they are novel, new, and unobvious. So if a company has a new machine, a machine, or it has a process, or it has a mechanical device that meets the requirements of novelty and unobviousness, then by filing an application, it can secure a patent 
for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's what a patent is about. It actually pr pr protects the thing, the item that is very, very important to the business, the item or process that actually gives it a competitive edge. The item that is, in fact, the business's unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. It's an and, actual thing. And this can also be a process, as long as it's unique, new, and of value. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. It includes a process. And that's where a lot of the business processes fall into. Mm -hmm. uh, many companies uh, have processes that they use in connection with their businesses. The processes could be web-based. The processes could be uh, uh, some sort of, you know, application, web-based application. It can be a business process. It is, in fact, protectable under the patent laws of the United States on a general basis. I don't want to get into the debate because it can get a little crazy as to whether business processes actually deserve at this point a patent. But at least as of the moment, they are patentable both under U.S. patent law as well as under the patent laws of many of the countries all over the world because patent laws in and of themselves are territorial. Mm -hmm. Each country has its own set of rules and regulations and laws designed to protect the inventions of a business or even an inventor. Many times we have single inventors or, or, a, or a bunch of inventors that get together and, and create and, and uh, invent a brand new machine or a process back in, in their garage, and uh, the, they file for a patent first, and then they build a business. But in either way, in either case, whether it's a business that creates the new item or an individual or a group of individuals, the bottom line is if it's a machine, if it's a device, if it's a process or a composition of matter, and it is new and it is unobvious, then it may very well be able to get a patent from the government to which it applies. Okay. So, uh, Betty, I want to uh, follow that up with a quick question because we're getting ready for a break, but just just staying on the patents for a minute. Um, if, I, if I am in Germany and you're in the United States and I come up with this a new process or I come up with a new machine um, and I register that, I apply for a patent in Germany, is that good worldwide or do I have to apply for that in different countries? That's an excellent question and one that uh, inventors should keep in the back of their minds. Germany is actually a signatory of the Patent Cooperation Treaty. There are over 150, at this point I think there are 175 or maybe more, signatory countries to this treaty. And what this treaty allows you to do is it allows you, once you actually file in your home country, it allows you to enter the international highway within a certain period of time and then be able to secure protection in every other country that is a signatory of the Patent Cooperation Treaty so that you can protect your invention not only in your home country but in countries where you anticipate actually doing business at. Okay, so that, that's very important for, for our business um, listeners. So Betty, we're going to take a short break. I want to come back. I want to talk a little bit about trademarks and for our listeners we are talking with Betty Betty 
Tufariello, the founder of Intellectu Law, and she helps business owners and entrepreneurs build a secure future by registering trademarks and leveraging their intellectual property. And as we heard from Betty, these are the assets of your business. Betty can be reached at www.intellectulaw, and I'll spell it as intellect, then you, law.com. She is also on LinkedIn under Betty Tufariello, and that's T-U-F-A-R-I-E-L-L-O. And she's on Twitter under Intellect You Law and on Facebook under Intellect You Law. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group under Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we'll be right back to continue this interesting discussion with Betty. And for now, we're going to take a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dart and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business station. And I am Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are speaking with Betty Tufariello. She's the founder of Intellectual Law, which helps business owners and entrepreneurs build a secure future by registering trademarks and leveraging their intellectual property, which is their asset, as we heard. Now, before the break, we learned a, a little bit about Patents, which I thought was really interesting, um, um, Betty, because uh, a lot of people don't know how patents work. And I'd like to move on a little bit about trademarks, because that's another thing, you know, that when your business, you get a business, you develop your trademark, you develop your logo, you develop something. How, how, How does that work? Can you tell us a little bit about trademarks? Of course. So trademarks are basically source identifiers, very, very different from the stuff that patents protect. So when people think about trademarks, they basically think of names, symbols, and these names or symbols or colors or even perfume acts as a source identifier. What I mean by that is that when a consumer sees a logo on goods or services, upon seeing that logo, the consumer immediately knows the source of that product or those services. The consumer immediately identifies the company from which those goods or services emanate. So, for example, in the case of cosmetics, when you see L'Oreal, for example, uh, on a bottle of makeup remover, you know that that makeup remover is coming from L'Oreal. You expect, if you like the product, that that L'Oreal makeup remover behaves in a certain way and provides a certain uh, performance that you have come to expect. And therefore, the next bottle of makeup remover that you're going to purchase is going to be L'Oreal. The same thing with cars. If you're a BMW aficionado or a Ferrari aficionado, you can spot a Ferrari or a BMW from a mile away because you just love the brand. You love the way it performs on the road. You expect that it's always going to perform well. And therefore, you make a commercial decision to purchase the next car on the basis of that experience. And you make sure that the next car is a BMW or a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, 
three-dimensional um, trademarks, Rubik's Cube as well. It's that automatic association between the product and the company that it comes from. Mm-hmm. So so that when I think about trademarks, okay, um, two things jump into my head, okay? And we're, we're, in a very, we're in a global economy today. And the first question I have, I develop my business and I come up with a, a identifier for my, my business or my services. Um, how do I register that? Now, is this similar to the patents where I register at one place or do I have to register it in different areas? Because, uh, you know, I've come across the situation where I've registered something in the EU, which may not necessarily mean it's registered in the United States. Can you tell us about that? That's an excellent question, and it intersects different levels of law. It intersects international law as well as U.S. law. Mm. But let me just say this. Trademarks, just like patents, are territorial in nature. Mm -hmm. The question that you need to ask yourself is what rights would you get from registration versus what rights do you get from use? In the United States... Rights to trademarks come from use, use in interstate commerce. What does that mean? Well, let's take the hypothetical situation of a company in Italy. The company in Italy makes cheese. It registers its trademark with both the Italian trademark office as well as WIPO and Mm -hmm. as well as the entire union. But it doesn't register in the United States. However, the Italian company does manage to enter into a number of distribution agreements with U.S. companies. And these U.S. companies now have the ability to import and sell the Italian cheese in the United States market. And they do it before anybody else. Believe it or not, that Italian company actually has now acquired what's called common law trademark rights in the United States by virtue of its use of the marks in the United States. And notice what I said, its use of the marks Mm -hmm. in the United States, notwithstanding the fact that the companies that are actually using it are the distribution companies. So, So rights to trademarks in the U.S. come from use. Registration is very important. Because registration gives notice to the entire, especially if it's federal registration, it gives notice to everybody in the United States that this mark has been registered, it is a trademark, and infringer beware, because once I have achieved registration, you may very well be liable for excessive damages. And I I hesitate to say punitive damages because in the U.S. trademark law does not provide for quote-unquote punitive damages. However, if you're successful in convincing the court that your infringer has behaved in a manner that's bad, willful, you know, willful, now you can actually get those damages that you may be entitled and get them tripled. So many courts say we don't have punitive damages for trademarks in the United States, but if you can show that the infringer behaved willfully, you can actually get the damages that was found at the first stage tripled 
So it it's it is punitive damages, but we don't really call it punitive damages. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in the United States, we do have this concept of of rights to trademarks come from use. In okay. Europe, in Europe, on the other hand, we do have filing. You can get a trademark registered even before you use it. You just file it with the trademark office. There's no requirement, to the best of my knowledge, right at the very beginning when you do your filing, of actually showing use. However, after the registration is secured in Europe, you you may very well be challenged and have to show use, depending on the country, depending on where you are, within three to five years. And if, in fact, you can show use after registration, you do stand the chance of actually losing, actually losing the registration. Mm-hmm. We had a case, we had a case, Kimberly, um, just to show you a little bit about this interplay between registration and actual use. We were representing a client out of Ecuador who had successfully secured a registration with the European Union. The European Union Trademark Office had issued um, the registration after a company had um, taken our client's trademark and filed it in Italy. Uh Now, standing the fact that they had registered first in Italy, because our client was able to show um, use in Italy prior to the registration of the company and then continued use in Italy, we were actually successful in uh, getting the Italian registration canceled and we had the tribunal in Milan issue substantial damages in favor of our client. Mm-hmm. So, so while a company in Europe can get a registration without showing use, if, if use becomes the crux in the dispute, the company that used the trademark first, the company that actually uh, can show that use first and continuous use after its adoption may very well prevail. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really interesting because I've always wondered about that um, difference between the United States and the European Union. And I think what's important, Betty, with our listeners is also to remember that source identifier um, is also quite important in this trademark um, discussion. And let me let me ask you this because because we, let's go outside of Europe and, and the U.S. for a minute, and we know we're in a global economy today, and and we're seeing all kinds of misuses on trademarks on on um, you know uh, Louis Vuitton bags that are not Louis Vuitton made in Asia and and things like that. Um, what are we ever going to be able to control that? Um, I know the European. I read some statistics that 5% of the imports coming into Europe are actually um, um, false counterfeits. Uh, counterfeits, okay. Do we stand a chance against winning this battle sometime? Or is it more complicated than we think, especially now that we live in such a global economy? Um, I just recently attended the International Trademark Association Conference in Seattle, Washington. It took place uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago from May 19th through May 24th. 
And I will tell you that that issue, the issue of counterfeits, is an issue that INTA has been struggling for many, 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 many years. There are groups and committees and associations between the, um, the companies all over the world uh, in which they basically are trying to grapple with exactly that serious problem because it is a serious problem. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be able to prevent them 100%? I don't think so Mm -hmm. Uh, because there will always be people who want to copy and write the goodwill of other companies, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's like trying to say to me, are we going to stop? Breakings yeah, into traffic. houses, <laughs> or or breakings into banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's it's a tough problem, and it has and it's a problem that has led to some very creative uh, methods of combating. Uh, I recall one story a couple of years ago where in China, China things in China are changing dramatically lately. Uh, but in in you know in the in the 90s, for example, uh, there was a big issue about counterfeits in China. There was also a big issue of counterfeits in Mexico. So what was happening was instead of trying to deal with the authorities on a one-to-one basis, companies were getting together and forming coalitions and going in and actually taking down entire warehouses containing counterfeit. Mm-hmm. Um, products because what good is it if give let me give you a for a for instance if you have Disney and you have um, uh, you know some other company Coca Cola and you have uh, Budweiser for example and there are T-shirts with the logos of each and every one of these companies inside a warehouse if it's just Coca Cola alone right? They'll yep. take Coca-Cola products, but they can't touch the other ones. Mm-hmm. So the counterfeiters can continue to do business by selling the remaining products on mm-hmm. their shelves in their warehouse. So what would happen is these companies get together, they go into these warehouses and literally shut them down because now every piece of merchandise that's counterfeit can be mm-hmm. taken Mm-hmm. And I think I think what's important, Betty, um, just a comment from my side before we go to the break is, it, you know, it, these are the most obvious. It's the merchandise we see because we all see it. You know, if we've traveled, we we get, you know, the street corner, they offer us what looks like a Louis Vuitton bag or whatever. But it's also um, it's also for our small businesses listening. I do leadership training and I did some leadership training in Asia a while ago. And the next thing I saw on the web, and I have a registered trademark for my leadership training. The next thing I, I saw on the web was somebody using my name, my registered name to do leadership training, doing almost the exact same thing I did. Okay. Um, so it's, it's kind of something for all of us to be aware. It's not just about the Louis Vuittons or the Tommy Hilfinger figures. There's, it's for all of us to be aware of this, don't you think? I agree, but I also will tell you something uh, which I think is really, um, you know, the, the reverse side of this coin. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want people to, to copy me and, and I have mm-hmm. to be vigilant, and you should. However... Tongue in cheek, of course, mm-hmm. I'm saying this. It's also very flattering because yes. 
people, if people are actually copying you, they recognize the value that you bring to the table mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they want to ride the goodwill associated with your trademark. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell my clients, especially the young startups, I tell them, listen, I know it's a pain for you to actually police your intellectual property, and I know it's a very difficult thing to come up with the money and create the budget and prepare for the possibility of a lawsuit to stop people from appropriating your particular uh, trademark. However, the reverse side of this is they recognize the value associated with your trademark, and they want to ride that goodwill so it's a measure the total number of infringements is a measure (laughs) of just how good you are and how desirable your product and your service is and that comes back to value and assets and uh good point very good point um betty we're going to take another break and for our listeners we are speaking with betty tufariello she's the founder of intellectual law and she helps business owners and entrepreneurs build a secure future by registering trademarks and leveraging their intellectual property, which is their assets. And Betty can be reached at www.intellectulaw, and that's intellect with you law as one word, dot com. And Betty is also on LinkedIn under Betty Tufariello, and that's T-U-F-A-R-I-E-L-L-O. And Intellectual Law is on Twitter, and it's also on Facebook. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, and you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. Please contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dark and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Dot com. 
In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel, one of the best series for learning about global leadership and global business issues. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today we're speaking with Betty Tufariello, and she's the founder of Intellectual Law. She helps business owners and entrepreneurs build a secure future by registering trademarks and leveraging their intellectual property, which we've learned in the first two segments. Betty, are really the assets of your company. So we've, we've talked, Betty, we talked about patents and trademarks. Um, and I really like the way you put as a trademark as a source identifier. I've, I've never heard it formulated like that, and I think that's fantastic. And I want to I go on to kind of a hot question now because the, the digitalization of everything, the world of the web, the global access to everything has changed things. So what about content on the web, okay? How do we protect, you know, copyrights on content and and what has changed with this entire digitalization? Wow, that's a loaded question. I know. It's a loaded question because the content on the web actually comprises and can comprise all areas of intellectual property. For example, you indicated in the earlier segment that your name was misappropriated and was being used in connection with the same types of services as as yours. Uh, And this other company basically was writing the goodwill associated with your name. Well, right there, you have trademark infringement, you have copyright infringement, because they probably uh, appropriated a picture of yours or something mm-hmm. that, you know, they wanted to associate. I haven't even seen what they did, and I could just speculate on the basis of what you told me. And right there, the minute they would take one of your pictures and put it either in their, in their program for the syllabus that they presented or however they used it, not only did they violate your trademarks, not only did they violate the copyright to the picture or perhaps the the copyright to the text that they may have misappropriated from your website or from your training materials, they also 
misappropriated and violated your privacy and publicity rights because mm -hmm. you as a speaker as someone who is known for the services in connection with which uh, you 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 travel the world the minute they use your likeness they're appropriating your publicity rights you have the right to decide how your picture your likeness ought to be used on the internet mm -hmm. so so on the the use of content or the publishing of content on the web is is a loaded question because it in fact implicates all these areas of the law and anyone who claims to be an attorney or a professional to for the purpose of protecting or helping curate and accumulate content off the web uh, has to be fully familiar with all these areas of the law. Now, one of the big, you know, because that question is so broad, yes, and so I, I want to kind of zero in on one issue that has crossed my pathway a lot, and that's the question of blogging. Mm -hmm. A lot yes. of bloggers, a lot of bloggers, uh, use other people's trademarks and other people's information. And, you know, the question that comes up whenever people address that question to me is, can I do that? Can I use somebody else's trademark on my blog? Can I use somebody else's copyrighted information, maybe an excerpt from a book or a picture or something like that on my blog? And the answer is, it depends. Mm -hmm. It really depends. It depends on how you use it. It depends what the purpose of it is. And it depends who you're targeting and what your ultimate goal is. Setting aside patents for a moment, focusing on trademarks and copyrights, both under trademark law in the United States and copyright law in the United States, there is this concept of fair use. So if, if a blogger is accused of infringement, trademark infringement or copyright infringement, the court will look at the particular blog and will determine whether the citation to the trademark or the excerpt that was published in the blog meets the, meets the elements of a fair use defense. Because that's where fair use comes up. I sue you because you put my trademark on your blog. Is that fair use, yes or no? And, and so the court will decide on a case-by-case -case basis if it is fair use. So how, how do you, how do you how how do you determine fair use? I mean, is there any kind of parameter, Betty? That that I mean, uh, is it that because I'm not using it for my own personal gain, or I'm just referring to it? Is there any is there anything that you can help us understand what the fair use might be? Yes, I I, I can. So let's talk about trademarks. Primarily, if a trademark is used for informational purposes, it is considered fair use. And if the trademark is used in a way that doesn't confuse consumers about the source of the goods or services in connection with which the trademark is being used, then it's fair use. Remember, trademarks are source identifiers. What do they do? They tell the consumer where the goods or services are coming from. If on the blog, 
The trademark is used in a manner that the consumer who lands on that blog thinks that the blog belongs to the company that owns the trademark and not to the blogger, uh-huh. that could be a problem. Yes. On the other hand, if the blogger is using the trademark purely for informational purposes, then there is no infringement and it's considered fair use. Let me give you an example in the context of two very well-known U.S. companies that deal with the diet market. And the reason I know this is because I've actually litigated with one of them. The two companies I'm referring to is Lean Cuisine and Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. Those who are familiar with the Weight Watchers company know that the Weight Watchers company has developed a series of trademarks for use in connection with their diet program. One of those trademarks is Points. They have developed a process by which they have actually allocated a points value to every meal the dieter will consume for purposes of managing and measuring the total number of points at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So let's say a dieter is entitled to eat 26 points by the end of the day. That dieter will make a decision on how to eat those points and will be looking for points value for everything he eats. And as a matter of fact, Weight Watchers has also developed an app that you can actually download on your telephone where you can calculate the value of the points on the basis of the fat content, the the fiber content, the protein content, and the carbohydrate content, which you can pull right off the label. Lean Cuisine comes along, which is another company which specializes in frozen foods. And when you look at a Lean Cuisine package, there is no question that's a Lean Cuisine package. There's nothing on the package that says Weight Watchers. Except that Lean Cuisine, what they did was, on the side panel of the frozen meal, they, in very, very itsy-bitsy little black letters, pointed out that this package, if you buy it and you eat it, is equal to, let's say, six points. Mm-hmm. Weight Watchers sued Lean Cuisine and said that that was trademark infringement. The courts came back and said, no, it's not. Why? Mm -hmm. The court reasoned that every dieter who purchases a Lean Cuisine product purchases it for the purpose of using it in their overall diet program. And therefore, when Lean Cuisine was putting the points value system on the side panel, in a manner that would not confuse the consumer that the Lean Cuisine product was somehow sponsored, affiliated, or originated from Weight Watchers, Uh that is considered fair use and therefore was not trademark infringement. Uh And in fact, Lean Cuisine prevailed. So that that's a really really great example, Betty, because this this fair use has always confused me. But I think your example there is is perfect, and it helps clarify to our listeners. It clarifies to me. Um, let me take that one step further, Betty, if I can. Okay, sure. um, because I hear fair use, and the other terminology I hear all the time is it's in the public domain when we talk about content, okay? Okay. If it's in the public domain, you can use it. Could you explain that a little bit? Uh, (laughs) In in short, layman terms, if possible. (laughs) You know, there's, unfortunately, there's so much misinformation out there that it's it's stressful to me because, you know, I hear that too. And, you know, it, it, it just parsing it out can get really, really complex. 
So is, is there it, is there not it, anything? Is it true that this word yes, public domain is not? There are yeah. certain things that are in fact in the public domain. For example, the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that doesn't mean you can go up to the Mona Lisa painting and put a mustache on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that it doesn't give you the right. To, to deface or destroy something that has fallen into the public domain. Uh-huh. You can't do that because especially in Europe, we have something called le droit moral or mm-hmm. moral rights of an author. Okay. Yes. And, and that means that even if the author has sold a work down the line, that doesn't give the owner of the work, the physical item, the right to destroy it. Okay. So, so that's, that's not what we're talking about in public domain. However, what, what, what we do mean is that if something has fallen into the public domain, you can, in fact, copy it. Okay. Now, now, in the case of copyrights, for example, um, in the United States, the life of a copyright is the life of the author plus 70, mm-hmm. if the copyright is owned by an individual. If, so for, so for, for the life of the author plus 70 means that, let's say so the average lifespan is 80 plus 70, that means for 150 years, that work will continue to be protected and it is not in the public domain. Domain. Domain means that the life expectation of a particular right, whether it's it's patents or copyrights, has actually expired and now it has fallen into the uh-huh. public domain. Uh, uh, very, li- very few works, yeah. with the exception of the old group, you, you mm-hmm. know, old works just like the Mona Lisa that I mentioned, or a painting by Rodin. Okay. Mm-hmm is in the public domain. I have a great case on that one. Uh, what's in the public domain? There was a case in the United States a while back where um, a fantastic sculptor decided that um, decided that he was going to copy the praying hands of Rodin and do it on a uh, copper, uh, on a copper back canvas, if you would. Mm-hmm. Um, some some person comes along and copies the copper sculpted praying hands and turns it into a calendar. Oh, when, okay. the, when the author of the sculpture sued the calendar owner, the calendar owner goes, oh, the praying hands are in the public, the public domain. domain. Court comes back and says, no, 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 no. What's in the public domain is the original painting. You did not copy the original painting, my friend. You copied the new sculpture, which has merit, copyright protection in its own right as a derivative work. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you are liable for copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great example. So, Betty, we're 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 running out of time. Um, this, I, I think, this is so great, valuable information. It's clarifying some things in my mind. Um, in in one sentence, okay. If you have anything to say to the, our listeners out there about intellectual property, what would you suggest to them? My biggest pet peeve in the United States is that people don't file for their copyright registrations. The United States does have a requirement to file your copyright with the United States government if you want to be able to prosecute prosecute copyright infringers. No copyright certificate, 
no ability no. to get into the courthouse. Okay. I can't tell you how big a problem that is. Um, it, it really is problematic. The other mm-hmm. thing now is that because of the ICANN proceedings, as well as the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the registration of your copyright, the registration of your trademark will go a long way in helping you protect your intellectual property mm-hmm. uh, without needing to resort to a lawsuit. You can actually call the providers of service, you know, your internet providers, and actually have a lot of this stuff taken down simply by virtue of the fact that you have registration. Which I think is a great tip for our listeners. Well, Betty, this has been really, really informative, and I want to thank you for taking the time. And for our listeners, we have been talking with Betty Tufariello. She's the founder of Intellectual Law. You can reach out to her at www.intellectuallaw.com. That's Intellect U Law. And you can also reach her on LinkedIn under Betty Tufariello. That's T U F A R I E L L. And Intellectual Law is also on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. You've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business station. We're on every Tuesday at 3 o'clock specific time. And you can download us afterwards on iTunes or Google Play. Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and listen to us each week for more information and each week I live with a tip and I think what I'm going to just repeat what Betty said that intellectual property is the asset of your business so make sure you protect it and with that tune in to us next week or download us on Google Play and iTunes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.